Now, praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius again. We are going through the book of Galatians, teaching the word of God for all of you that have given your life to Christ. The Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So we shouldn't be perishing. God wants us to have knowledge. And the teaching is knowledge. And the knowledge of the word of God is to make us wiser until we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, the apostle Paul was laying down why the Lord has put ministries in his body so that we can all come to the level of Christ. Now, that's why we are teaching from the letters of Apostle Paul who laid the foundation of the Christian life. The foundation is laid on the apostles and prophets. Now, let's go to chapter 2 of the book of Galatians. In chapter 1, Apostle Paul more or less presented his credential to make us to see that he didn't learn this thing he was teaching the Gentiles from many of the apostles. He learned it directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that he actually went to Arabia and I said, going to Arabia is more like a place, an isolated place where they can seek the Lord. And that was what Apostle Paul definitely went there to do. Now we are going to chapter 2. Apostle Paul continued to narrate his own testimony of his travels in the earlier years of his ministry, one from the time he was converted. That was what he was narrating, which you don't see in the Acts of the Apostles. It was just summarized by Luke who wrote the book of Acts of the Apostles. It was just summarized as he went to Damascus and then he went to he was being was to be arrested, he fled and then he went to Jerusalem. But Apostle Paul is giving us the some more detail of where actually how he traveled around those times. He went to Arabia, then he came back to Damascus, then after three years he visited Peter for 15 days and he went to Cilicia and started preaching in Syria and Cilicia. Now in chapter 2 he went for that. So then 14 years after, you can now see, for those 14 years he, what he was doing, he was preaching about. He was now, you remember in the Acts of the Apostles, he, it was reported that Barnabas went and got him from his city and then they started they were joining the people in uh, Antioch and while they were preaching and ministering to the Lord God Holy Ghost said separate unto me Barnabas and Saul and that was how they were sent out by the Holy Ghost in their first missionary journey and from there they kept going about going they are going in that missionary journey that missionary journey is not just for two weeks or three weeks like many of us we go on a on a three three weeks trip and so we have gone on a on a evangelistic meeting. But you see in those days you have to remember they are walking or riding donkeys or through the boat in through the on the on the on the on the lake or the sea. So it was slow unlike here where you can fly and you get there the same day. You can fly to uh, from, Af from America to Europe or to uh, Africa. You get there in the evening, okay? And you can be there for two weeks and you're back. But these people, it take them days just to travel. So you have to remember that. And along with that is that they, they then stayed where they are going. They preach and stay in that city for months. It's not like they just eat the place where the people have gathered and they talk to them and left in the second week, like many of us do in this generation. Because maybe because the churches are already there, we are just there to to edify them. 
But these people, they are supposed to say, it's 40 years that is perhaps their first, second mission journey where they just going from city to city. And they go to this city, they may be there for almost uh, six months before they go to the next city. And uh, so on and so forth. That was how their ministry was. You have to remember that. So now he said, 40 years after that, after his conversion prizement, he said, I went again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. Now, you can say, when did they go with Barnabas? In the Acts of Apostles, there was a time when they said there was a debate by Barnabas and Paul against uh, confronting those people that came from Jerusalem that had tried to preach something otherwise. And they said there was a complete uh, confrontation between both, uh, both the Barnabas and Barnabas, Paul against those people. Then they said, well, why you get go to Jerusalem and resolve it and then come back and tell us what the elders decided. So that perhaps is what he was referring to in this chapter 2 when he said, 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me. You see, you see the reference that's in Acts of Apostles chapter 15. Said, and I went up by revelation. That is, the Lord revealed something to him that he went by, the Lord told him to go. That's what I mean by revelation. And communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or are drawn in vain. So now Apostle Paul is trying to make us understand that when he went to Jerusalem, after 14 years that he had been preaching about, and he said, he said they, they told the audience, the Jerusalem believers, what they have been preaching, how the responses have been among the Gentiles and people were excited. But they say privately to those that are men of reputation like Apostle Peter and all these apostles, he called them as that privately to tell them the difference between what he was preaching and what the Jewish tradition has been. That's what he mean by privately. He said, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or are drawn in vain. To make them to see that, do you, do you guys understand, do you agree with what I'm preaching over there? That's what he means. If, if you want to make sure that he is accredited, we call it in, uh, in this generation, that they, the other believers, the other this apostles, the other, they, they saw that hmm, this must be a revelation from the Holy Ghost indeed. They were accredited you that, yes, go on, this is good. Even though they are hiring it for the first time, but their heart is witnessing to it that, yes, Holy Ghost is the one that sending this one out. So that's why I say, let's have run in vain, because if the Holy Ghost in you is telling you that what I'm saying is wrong, and I'm saying Holy Ghost tell me to say this, this way, then somebody must be wrong. If I'm saying it and I'm convinced that Holy Ghost is telling me to say this way, and you say you have the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is in you is telling you that what I'm saying is wrong, then somebody is wrong also. Is that, that you don't have the Holy Ghost or what I think it's Holy Ghost, it's not the Holy Ghost, no so. So that's why he said he went privately to the people that have reputation to tell them privately what he has been preaching, lest I have run in vain. Because the Holy Ghost cannot be witness against himself. If you have the Holy Ghost and I have the Holy Ghost, we must agree in the what we are preaching. Otherwise, somebody is not right. Somebody does not have the Holy Ghost between me and you. So that's really what the what the boy what the boils down to. So you can see then he said, verse 3, he said, but neither Titus, which means they agree with him, they give me a right hand of fellowship, 
He said, neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. They didn't even compare Titus to be circumcised. So during that time, the, the bone of contention was this circumcision. The bone of contention was this circumcision. So that's really what, uh, what Apostle Paul is talking about here. The trouble that they are facing or the confrontation that's coming from the other Jewish believers because they have to come among them as believers too for them to be pushing circumcision among the believers and they try to push it over the Gentiles because they are not pushing it to the Jews that are believers. The Jews that are believers are circumcised from the, from the, from the eighth day after they were born. But you are talking of the Gentiles that are not circumcised, that are already coming to the kingdom of, uh, into the gospel. Those are the ones we are talking about. So that is why Apostle Paul was trying to present this and say, well, this is what Christ has revealed to me. Circumcision is not part of the, part of the message. And they are saying, well, we don't know about that. But the apostles, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. And he said, Titus that was a Greek that was not circumcised when he went with them. They didn't say, well, Titus is a Greek. Why do you know he's a Greek? Because just like you say, this man is white, this man is black. You can tell just by the structure of their face that he's a Greek. So they didn't say, well, how is he going with you guys when he's not circumcised? No, they didn't compare him to circumcised because they think they agree with Apostle Paul, what he was preaching. That's what he was trying to allude to in this uh, chapter 2 of what he was saying. He said, Neither Titus who was with me, being a Greek, was compared, he was not compelled to be circumcised. See, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, that is, these people that are trying to push this circumcision, they said they call them false brethren. They came in unawares. Who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. He said these people that, that are coming in and trying to make us to to introduce circumcision among the Gentiles, they, they are trying to take away our liberty. Because even the circumcision is not something that, uh, that is pleasant to their body, how much more if they are already grown up. Why the Lord God told, them to be, told Abraham to be doing circumcision on the eighth day? It's a, it's a, it's a bloody thing, they have to cut this, the foreskin of your, of your private part. It's not, but that's why God told them they do it at the at the, at the eighth day of when the baby is born. Because the baby doesn't know what is wrong, what is causing pain. Everything is, everything is still painful. So but the baby gets over it quickly. But when an adult has to be done so, it's a wound. It's a serious wound that will take days to heal. But they are trying to push it upon the get that you can't fellowship with us unless you get circumcised like us. You can't fellowship with us unless you get... And Christ didn't say that. Christ didn't give them that order. And the Jews that are trying to push it, they are just pushing their culture. And that's what Apostle Paul was confronting them with here. And he said, even Titus that was agreed that as was the apostles in Jerusalem didn't compare him to be circumcised. They agreed with Apostle Paul that yes, this revelation is from the Lord. That's what he was saying. He said, but the other Jews who are coming into to spy on our liberty, is what he said. They are trying to put us into bondage. Verse 5 says, To whom we give place by subjection? No, not for an hour. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He said, We didn't allow them to put us in bondage. He said, But of this, he's now referring to some of the people that they are now meeting that came all the way from Jerusalem to come and be teaching the Gentiles. 
So of these who seem to be somewhat, whatever they were, it make it no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. What he was saying is that when they were having this conference in Jerusalem, some of them were trying to quote the scriptures that they think will support them to, and they were able to pull them down by the revelation that the Holy Ghost was given to Apostle Paul. He said they didn't add any new thing to him. They didn't convince him for many of the letters they are quoting. That's what he said. They add nothing to me. But seven said, contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So now he was saying that the, the Lord allowed Peter to be preaching to the Jews, and but he sent him out to the Gentiles. That's what he really said in that verse. It said the same God, the same Lord Jesus Christ was using signs and wonders through Apostle Peter to make the Jews to believe. It's the same God that is using signs and wonders through Apostle Paul to make Apostle Paul preach this gospel to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles can believe. With signs and wonders also. Verse 9. And when James, that's the James, the brother of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, because the James, the brother of Jonah, were, was one of the first people to be martyred. But this was James, that, uh, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, that was mentioned. James, Cephas, and John. Cephas also could mean Apostle Peter, because that's the interpretation of his name, Cephas. And John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me. They gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the Eden, and they unto the circumcision. So he was summarizing the, 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 the conclusion of their conference in Jerusalem that they agree with Paul and Barnabas that you guys go to the Eden and be preached to the Eden, while they go to the Jews and preach to the Jews in Jerusalem and in Judea. It's only the rule that we should remember the poor. The same which I also was forward to do that is, he said, but they told them that please remember also anytime you can get the Gentile to donate some offering, send some of the offering to us in Jerusalem to help the poor believers in Jerusalem. And Apostle said he wasn't ready to do that two years. Verse 11 said, but when Peter was come to Antioch, now Antioch is is uh, in middle way between the, the Jewish Judea and the Gentile land. But Antioch is mixed up between the Jews and the Gentiles. So Peter was now visiting and traveling about. He said, Peter came to Antioch. He said, I will stood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Somehow, the Apostle Paul saw that Peter was dangling between the two opinions. So this is how he explained it, verse 12. For before that certain, before these people that came from Jerusalem, before they came, he said they came from James. He said, Apostle Peter was eating with the Gentiles. So you can see what was going on. They were now becoming segregated. Where the, the Jews are trying to distinct, distance themselves from the Gentile believers. Even when they meet in fellowship. Or when they, instead of eating together after, maybe they want to have a dinner together. They don't want to eat with the Gentiles. So that type of a thing is almost like a house of Yorubas. Fuibos and uh, Fulanese. Uh, the white and the black. The same thing has been going on through the century and they are trying to, that idea of segregation was trying to creep in among the believers in the days of Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul saw that even Peter was being carried away by 
the influence of we are Jews, we are the people of God, and and these are Gentiles, they are trying to separate themselves, and the apostles say, I have to confront Peter. He said, before that certain people came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. So now he said, they are no more or less pointing accusing finger at one another. Verse 30 said, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, in so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So it, what type of fellowship are they having in their generation? Maybe they, after they will fellowship together in a worship, they will gather together and have dinner. Kind of a, what you call, get, get together. That's the only place. It's not in the church where people sit on the, on the pew listening to someone. That's not what he's talking about. It must have been a after church service kind of gathering where people will eat together. And some churches are still doing that up to now. In many places, even in Europe, in America, some churches after Sunday fellowship, they will go to their basement and they have dinner. And they will fellowship together where you talk with people, we chat with other, we sit with another, we fellowship to know one, one another more closely. More like friends, family members. But he said that was where this type of uh, separation began to become noticeable. If this man really he saw this table and they are all gentile, he didn't want to sit there and he went to sit with the Jews over there on that table, with a table of eight. And there's another place there where there's an open space that you could have sat down with the Gentiles. He just didn't want to sit with them. He went to sit with the Jews over there. That becomes noticeable. Even the people that have been abandoned, they quickly can sense it. It's human nature. You sense it if somebody doesn't want to say hello to you or you don't want to even shake your hand. You know something is wrong right also. That was going on that Apostle Paul said he has to confront them. Because he was the one that brought the Gentiles in by the sermons he was been preaching. They are like his friends. And now the Jews, he was also a Jew, but the Jews are now separating themselves from the Gentiles when they come to this banqueting place where they are to do a dinner together. So that's what he was talking about when he said they are not trying to eat anymore with the Gentiles. So now he, that was what he was referring to so that you guys can understand that, that those things have been going on through the ages where people are trying to segregate themselves whether by culture, by ethnicity, and things like that. that was going on that was creeping to the midst of believers. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be in the midst of believers. I was asked Yorubas, you both we should all fellowship together. If we are believers, we are in the same fellowship, we are sons of the same Father God, and we are fellowshiping one another. That is it, is it is only Christianity that could unite. But if in the Christianity some other people are bringing in this cultural division, segregation, it becomes evil in the eyes of God. And that was trying to creep in in the days of the Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul. That's why he was addressing it right here to the Galatians. Because it was not only in Jerusalem, it was being exported to the Gentiles where the Jews are visiting them. And then when they visit these churches, they also try to separate themselves from the host church members. And it's noticeable, it's very noticeable. If you go to a place and you try to shake somebody's hand, you didn't shake your hand, you begin to say something is wrong, no so. And that is very not everybody is sensitive. Every man may be sensitive that why didn't he shake my hand? Oh, maybe you think you are you are you are gentile, you are you are dirty. But you have been watched by the blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe you didn't believe that. You are still a gentile as far as he's concerned. That is the type of thing that could be going through the mind of people that have been rejected or isolated. And they will sense it and they will be wondering what is going on. Is this what we call Christianity? Verse 14. Of Galatia chapter 2. 
Apostle Paul continues a bit. When I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, this is what he said, he told Peter, if thou being a Jew, live after the manner of Gentiles, that is, you are living like the Gentiles before these guys came from Jerusalem, and not as do the Jews. Why compel thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? That's a, a serious question. That is, if you say you are this, but you have been living like that, like the other people, then when these friends came, you try to avoid these other people you have been living like them and try to behave like these other people. You say, why are you trying to make these people to behave like these other people when you know that you yourself, you yourself are not behaving like them, like these other people before? That's what he was saying. So why compel the Gentiles to be to behave like the Jews if you yourself have been living like the Gentiles too? Before they came, you are eating with us. We are all fellowship together. We love one another here. But now these so Jewish believers came from Jerusalem. They they were like a white robe people that don't want to come around these people that are Gentiles, and you can join them to show that you are also white robe Jew. Not so. So that's why he was pointing out that why compel thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews when you are yourself living among the Gentiles, living like the Gentiles before, before they came. Now he, he went for that in verse 15. See, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Now let me stop here. We continue there. Let's explain this, this debate that Apostle Paul apologetic the college that he was presenting him he said we have believed in logic that we are justified by the faith of christ what do you mean by justified that is you have made you have been made righteous by just believing christ not by the fact that you wash your hands or you clean your feet or you circumcise your body or you don't mix with all these gentiles that is all the works of the law that some people are still promoting here. The, whatever you do is God good to save you. No, you are, if you are saved, you are saved. Your works of righteousness is to give you reward when you get to heaven. But if you are not saved, you are not saved. No matter what works of righteousness you do, it will not save you unless you have been saved by Jesus Christ first. So what he was pointing out is that it is the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that is justifying us, not the works of the law. That's what he said, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. He said, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And he was quoting that which was in the one of the prophets that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and, and that we are, the just shall live by faith. And that is what he was quoting, and that is what the revelation God gave to him, that we are going to live by our faith in Christ Jesus. And then he said, if while we are trying to be justified by Christ, we also become sinners again. He said, God forbid that we, Christ is not the minister of sin. 
Verse 18 is where I'm going to say, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Now that's a very strong word. So he was trying to point to Apostle Peter that if we are trying to tell the, the Jewish believers that it is not by, by the works of the Lord that we are going to be saved, it is by our faith in Christ Jesus. Then it's more like say we are demolishing their works of the law. Now you can't go back and be trying to still behave like we must keep this works of law to be saved again. That's what it's saying. So if I build again the things which I destroyed, then I'm making myself a transgressor. So what he was saying then is that we are saved by the faith in Christ. We are to hold to that faith of Christ and that has to change our life inside. The lifestyle of righteousness that we do is for the world where we get to heaven. Not that it's going to save us to get to heaven at all. We are going to get to heaven only because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the works of the law. They do this, don't do that. Do this. That's not going to be the one that takes on us there. When we work for Jesus, the work we do for Jesus after we are born again, we give us some reward. And the works of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are talking about has also to do with our righteous living. See? Somebody slap you on one cheek, you don't slap him back, you don't start a fight. That is righteous living. See, like Christ said, that will be like a, the walk. Yeah, it's a walk where you don't slap back. You don't. He said that when you show forth all the fruit of righteousness, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, meekness, all of those things are the works that is going to give you reward the way you conduct yourself or not. But that is not the first thing. That is the second thing after you have been saved. That it is just saving, salvation in Christ Jesus that change your heart, that will make you to be able to produce those fruits of righteousness. And then you have to maintain those fruits of righteousness and use it to bring other people in because they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So your fruit of righteousness is what you have to maintain that, we, that Christ is saying you will be rewarded for what you are doing, how you are living your, Christ, your life for Christ. Now let's go on in verse 19 now. Apostle Paul went further in chapter 2 of Galatians chapter 2 verse 19. For I through the law, I am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. You have to record yourself like that. that is, we are dead to the law. The law is saying, you must do this or you are a sinner. If you don't do this, you are... So they said, if we are dead, that law does not apply to a dead man, because he couldn't do anything. So if I have to count myself as dead to the law, I am now to live unto God because I am living a life of righteousness. And it is Christ that is living in me. That's what it's good to say in verse 20. So I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. That is, when Christ was crucified on the cross, I was also crucified. My dead, my old man is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Now I live as a new creature in Christ Jesus. He said, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ is living his life through me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life we are to live is to live by the faith of Jesus Christ in us. He is the one living his life through us. We are to assume ourselves crucified with Christ on the cross. That is the old man, the old nature that is always sinning, is crucified. is dead. Now I come out of the backwater baptism as a new creature in Christ Jesus. And that's what Apostle Paul is saying to. Verse 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. That's grace of God. 
grace that gave us a new heart, a new life, that we are now to live a new, a, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, is a grace. If righteousness come by the Lord, then Christ is dead in me. So saying in that last verse, say if if our righteousness is going to be by the fact that we are keeping all those laws of Moses, say then what is the purpose of Christ coming to save us? Because nobody can be able to do those things that Moses wrote down. Say if righteousness come by the law, he said Christ has died in vain. But Christ died and rose again and is to come and live inside us and change us from within. When we are shamed from within, we will be able to live and please the Father God. It's not the works of righteousness going to save us. We are already saved through righteousness. Now, the salvation that we have experienced is to make us now be pleasing the Father because we walk in love for the Father. The love of God is what constrains us that make us not to sin anymore because we are no more interested in those things. That nature has been destroyed, buried under water. Now, a new nature has been given to us, and we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the life we live now is Christ living his life through us. We are just to yield to the Holy Ghost that will be leading his life through us and making us to do the will of the Father. Not the, not the, not the, not the struggle to keep the law of Moses. It's now part of our nature, a new nature has been given to us that we just obey the righteousness. We just love righteousness. That is the born again experience. And I pray that the Lord will make you to understand this and yield to the word of God as we are explaining it. And record yourself as dead to sin, but alive unto God. God bless you.